My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask you for pardon of my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Mother Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Well, it's very, very early in the morning on the greatest day in the history of the world. Dark still, before dawn, or just as dawn is breaking, on the Sunday of all Sundays, the day that the Lord has made. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And we're in that little garden in which our Lord has been buried. And the massive stone, which had been levered into place in front of the tomb, has been uh, put to the side. And there's a woman hunched over outside the tomb, weeping. She's really grieving. And this is St. Mary Magdalene whose feast we celebrate today and whom the church venerates as an apostle of the apostles, apostola apostolorum. That's a phrase of St. Thomas Aquinas. She's an apostle to the apostles because she's the first one to proclaim the, uh, the great news of the resurrection of our Lord. And she's the first one because she loves Christ so much that she runs to the tomb early in the morning. Nothing can hold her back. In the behavior of St. Mary Magdalene on Easter Sunday morning, we have, I suppose, a great insight into who she is, into the greatness of this saint, of this woman, of this person. And what seems to be the hallmark of her personality is not that she's perfect that she's perfect or that she gets everything right or that she's super talented or very um, efficient or, or something else like that what distinguishes her is her love for our lord not only has she got up very early in the morning none of the men apostles have, have, have tried this but she has got up and along with some other holy women on their way to the tomb, they ask almost as if it were, you know, uh, a side issue. Well, who, who's going to roll away the stone from in front of the tomb? And that was a formidable obstacle. Who, who was going to roll, roll away that stone? I mean, there's no way that they could have done that with their own strength. But it's also, it's as if for these women this uh, consideration, this question about the stone was incidental. Their love for our Lord was so strong that in a sense they would have melted the stone just with the love of their heart if they needed to. In a sense that was the least of their concerns. The stone, the obstacle, the seemingly um, 
you know, formidable obstacle, for them that wasn't an issue really. It was a side issue. What was at issue, and what is always at issue for St. Mary Magdalene, as far as we can see, is her love for our Lord, her, uh, her appreciation for him, and her desire to, to venerate his body, which has been desecrated, which has been abused. And that's, we that's why we find her outside the tomb early on Easter Sunday morning, weeping. I guess we have to remember too that St. Mary Magdalene shared in the passion of our Lord in a particular way. She was there at the foot of the cross along with Our Lady and some other holy women and with St. John, the youngest apostle. So she has an insight into the suffering of our Lord and what that means. She has an insight into redemption. We know that she herself had had a tough life. We're told in the Gospel of St. Luke that the Lord had cast out seven devils from her, seven demons. We know that in, in biblical language, seven is the figure of completeness, of totality. So the implication is that St. Mary Magdalene was given over to evil, or was very, very, in a very negative place, in, in, in a bad place. And that the Lord, you Lord, rescued her, redeemed her. And we can imagine, we can surmise that as she stood by the cross on Good Friday and kept faithful company to the Lord, that she would have seen at a deep level, she would have understood at a deep level, the link between our Lord's suffering on the cross and her life. Our Lord's suffering on the cross and her redemption, her salvation. That the cross, the loving self-offering of Jesus on the cross is what redeemed her, just as it redeems all of us. She would have had that perception. Mary Magdalene, we often see her as the great convert, with the zeal or the love of a convert. And that's true. And that's why we see her there, weeping outside the tomb, because she cannot find the Lord. That's all she wants. All she wants, Lord, is Jesus. All she wants is you. And on her feast day, maybe we can ask for the grace of a deep love for Jesus, a greater love for the Lord. That's the only thing that matters at the end of the day. And it gives shape and substance to every other aspect of our lives. It gives color and life to every other aspect of our lives. The Gospel tells us Mary stayed outside the tomb weeping and as she wept she bent over into the tomb and saw two angels in white sitting there, one at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus had been. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken my Lord and I don't know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus there, but did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? She thought it was the gardener and said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher.
Rabuni, which means teacher. That's an, an ineffable moment that, I suppose, intimate mutual recognition. Mary, what was it in the way Jesus said this word to her, the, her name? It's a bit like what St. Josemaria used to say that the Lord addresses each one of us with our pet name with our nickname, with an affectionate name that really only our mother knows. And that's why prayer is so personal, so intimate. What we're doing now, a moment of prayer, is, uh, is a very personal thing, a personal dialogue between the Lord and each one of us. You, Lord, you know me, you understand me, and you love me more, infinitely more than anybody else. And that facilitates dialogue. That facilitates confidence and trust in prayer. So just as you, Lord, addressed Mary Magdalene in uh, whatever way you said her name, she immediately recognizes you. So also you address each one of us in our prayer. Because prayer is, you could say, firstly, listening to God. Listening to God. And then the Gospel of today's feast uh, records a scene which has often been painted in, in Christian uh, art. Jesus said to her, Stop holding on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them, I am going to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and then reported what he told her. The uh, scene, which is often uh, taken up in, in painting, is of Mary Magdalene grabbing onto our Lord's feet. She's lost him, in inverted commas. Now she's found him, and there's no way she's going to let go of him. Her reaction is, is, is very, very nice. You know, she, she clings to the Lord. She clings to the Lord. Lord, may I also cling to you in and through my ordinary life and my ordinary work. May I never lose you. And we can all go through periods of, uh, of uh, time in our lives where we feel we don't feel the presence of God. We feel that he's a bit absent. We, uh, maybe our faith is being tested. We could think here of uh, the great St. Teresa of Calcutta who for so many years felt an absence of God. That didn't diminish her faith, actually. It helped her to grow. But whatever way I am, Lord, or in whatever situation I find myself, I do want to cling to you. I do want to cling to you in my heart. I want to be united with you. We can learn this also from Mary Magdalene. It's lovely what Jesus says to Mary Magdalene here. And... and what he says forms the entrance antiphon of today's feast. The Lord said to Mary Magdalene, Go to my brothers and tell them, I am going to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. So the first announcement of the resurrection comes through the mouth of Mary Magdalene. That's why she is, as St. Thomas Aquinas calls her, the apostle of the apostles, because we're told that Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples I have seen the Lord, and then reported what he told her. And what did you, Lord, tell her? 
what is the message of the risen Lord? What is the great fruit of um, redemption? I am going to my Father and to your Father. We are children of God. That's the great fruit of redemption. That's the great, I suppose, that's the joy of the gospel. That's, that's what we, we all want and need to proclaim. Mary Magdalene, what a great saint. The danger would be to underestimate her. And I guess we should thank Pope Francis for helping us not to do that. Because in um, June of 2016, during the extraordinary Jubilee Year of Mercy, he elevated uh, Mary Magdalene's uh, day from being a memorial to being a feast. Um, and that's that's special, you know, and it makes sense. In fact, the decree on uh, on the new feast of Mary Magdalene, or the elevation of her of her day from a memorial to a feast, is it, worth it's worth praying about. The Church, both in the East and and in the West, has always regarded Saint Mary Magdalene, the first witness of the Lord's resurrection, and the first evangelist. And with the greatest reverence has always honoured her, although in diverse ways. Given that in our time the Church is called to reflect in a more profound way on the dignity of woman, on the new evangelization, and on the greatness of the mystery of divine mercy, it seemed right that the example of Saint Mary Magdalene might also fittingly be proposed to the faithful. In fact, this woman known as the one who loved Christ and who was greatly loved by Christ and was called a witness of divine mercy by St. Gregory the Great and an apostle of the apostles by St. Thomas Aquinas can now rightly be taken by the faithful as a model of women's role in the church. Therefore, the Supreme Pontiff Pope Francis has established that from now on the celebration of St. Mary Magdalene should be inscribed in the general Roman calendar with the rank of feast rather than memorial, as is presently the case. And this, was, uh, this decree is from the 3rd of June, 2016. Yes, the Apostle of Apostles. Mary Magdalene is very great. And what makes her such a good Apostle of the Apostles? Surely it's her love for our Lord. She was vulnerable, precarious, she had fallen, she had suffered, she had sinned. All of that is very clear. So she's like us, just like us, just like me, Lord. And just like Mary Magdalene, with, with your grace, I also would like to be an apostle of apostles, an apostle of apostles. In fact, that's what we pray for in this Mass, in the Mass of Mary Magdalene, in the collect, the opening prayer of the Mass, which kind of sums up the whole petition of the Church uh, today. O God, whose only begotten Son entrusted Mary Magdalene before all others with announcing the great joy of the resurrection, grant, we pray, that through her intercession and example we may proclaim the living Christ and come to see him reigning in your glory. Well, Lord, that's what I ask of you today with all my heart and in communion with the whole Church. I ask that we may proclaim Christ and eventually also see you in your risen glory like Mary Magdalene did.
But first of all, that we may proclaim Christ, that we, each one of us would be an apostle. Remember that point in the way where St. Maria is praying for vocations, or praying for souls who will announce the Lord, you know, who will be his apostles. And he says, help me to cry out to the Lord. Jesus' souls, apostolic souls, they are for you. They are for your glory. Well, we can cry that, that, you know, that prayer out ourselves today, Lord. Jesus' souls, apostolic souls, they are for you. They are for your glory. So many people who are hungry for our Lord, thirsting for our Lord, and needing people who will, who will be an apostle of apostles, who will not only announce Christ to others, but also set others on fire with zeal. An apostle of apostles, I guess, is somebody who doesn't just let somebody else know about Jesus, but helps that person in turn to become an apostle, to become an apostle. This is, uh, we see this all the time in the history of the church. We see it in St. Paul. Uh, in a particular way, he, he leads people to be apostles. Um, and that's the history of the church. It's one apostle to another, isn't it? So how, 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 why was St. Mary Magdalene so powerful as an apostle? What made her so effective? Again, it's worth, it's worth meditating on this. It's not that she was perfect. It's not that she had a, her past was you know, unblemished, far from it. It's not that she was super intelligent or super articulate. At least we know evidence to suggest that. She was a good instrument of the Lord. And probably she was very aware of the value of our Lord's passion. In other words, she was aware that our Lord had forgiven her and in virtue of that forgiveness, she was filled with joy. And she communicated that joy. That's the zeal of the convert, isn't it? The zeal of the convert is somebody who is filled with joy and gratitude for being forgiven, for being loved unconditionally, for being healed. And that's evangelization. So it's not that we have to be perfect. Yes, we have to try and strive with all our hearts to be perfect in love, which is something different from being perfect in a perfectionistic sense. Lord, help me to be perfect in love. So it's amazing. that That's, that's what Mary Magdalene's like. And we see that in, in many other, you might say, famous converts. Um, we could think of certainly St. Paul, who, who was very aware of our Lord's love for him. And not only that, but our Lord's suffering for him. How his vocation, how his conversion was a fruit of the passion. Remember that lovely phrase of St. Paul in the letter to the Galatians. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. And gave himself up for me. Maybe on the Feast of Mary Magdalene we can place ourselves at the foot of the cross with her. And ask the Lord for a greater perception of, I suppose, of his divine mercy really. And what that means. Because apostolic zeal, the desire to reach many people and to share the, the joy of Christ with many people, does come from the awareness of our being forgiven. These days, of course, it makes sense to pray a lot for for vocations and for people, if you like, to, to take on the, the adventure of being apostles. Because over the summer months all over the world, there are so many wonderful activities for young people, you know, that can help them in their Christian life and their formation to get closer to the Lord. One of the big intentions, surely, in the life of the church at the moment is the upcoming World Youth Day in Lisbon. I think the uh, the big day is the 6th, the 6th of August, but 
the whole previous week and even the previous two weeks there are literally hundreds of thousands of young people converging on Lisbon. For what? To meet the Lord, to grow in their faith, to be united with the successor of St. Peter. And I suppose for all those young people, it's an opportunity to, to discover the church. It always is, you know, to realize the church is beautiful and uh, fruitful and the church has many colors and many faces and many cultures. Uh, the church has many musics, you know, the church has many languages. It's all a way of getting to know the Lord. And we can pray that each and every person who takes part in World Youth Day um, becomes an apostle of apostles, reaches out to many other people. Uh, that's the life of the church, isn't it? Again, like that image that St. Jose Maria at times used of the stone being thrown into the lake that produces first one circle and then another circle and then another circle and reaches out that each one of us is like that stone thrown into the lake. And we could say, well, Lord, what is it that enables any given stone to produce more and more ripples of goodness around them? Well, fundamentally, it's communion with our Lord. It's love of Jesus. It's being aware of how much our Lord loves us. And that's what we see in uh, in St. Mary Magdalene, somebody who's deeply aware, like St. Paul, that the Lord has loved us and has given himself up for us. Indeed, the story is often told of um, an old lady in the hospital who's dying and uh, is very weak and yet she's entirely lucid and she's just received the last sacraments and She's holding a crucifix in her hands and the priest who has just given her the last rites says to her just to just to make sure that she's she's peaceful and she's at ease and, and not worrying about anything he says um, are you at peace or is there anything bothering you are you okay anything worrying you just so so that you would be very much at peace and going to the lord and she's holding the crucifix and she says with great simplicity well no, I'm fine, I'm fine. I look at the cross and I say to him, Lord, if you have done that for me, what will you not do for me? If you have done that for me, what will you not do for me? It's, it's another way of saying, like what St. Paul says, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That's my faith also, Lord. That's, that's the faith I also live by. Um, Lord, help me to be converted. Help me to rediscover the greatness of your love. It can be inspiring for us from time to time just to read the lives of different converts. Um, I think on EW2EN there's a whole program about converts that sometimes people like, like to watch. They find it inspiring. Um, Malcolm Muggeridge has an interesting book about his own conversion to the Catholic faith. And he, he makes it clear that it was a gradual process. It wasn't one big blinding light. But little by little, he's becoming aware of the love of God and the presence of God. And in the case of Malcolm Muggeridge, he becomes very aware of God through the experience of suffering, his own suffering and the suffering of others. And I think it's a bit like Mary Magdalene. 
she's an apostle of apostles because she becomes aware of our Lord's love through her own suffering or through the experience of sin or weakness and through the sufferings of others. For example, Malcolm Mugridge talks about a time when in his book he talks about being sent to uh, the then Soviet Union to report on uh, the workers' paradise, as it were, um, and how he, he found something very different to what, uh, let's say, was the official line. He found a lot of hunger and loneliness and poverty and cold and people who were suffering. And that's where he began to be drawn to God, to Christ. And, and he becomes aware, Muggeridge becomes aware of, of redemption, of the need for salvation, and that the human being, man, cannot save himself. That's the great fallacy, I suppose, of atheistic communism that, and, and of many other systems you know, that, that try to make man into God. It's, it's, it's doomed to failure. We need Christ, we need the cross. In, in his um, book about his conversion, which is aptly entitled Conversion, A Spiritual Journey by, by Muggeridge, he says, In my own case, conversion has been more a series of happenings than one single dramatic one. I have a vivid memory of occasions of enlightenment so sharp that they brought a new and lasting dimension of faith into my life. For instance, at Lourdes, when I went there to do the commentary for a TV programme. I had expected to be depressed and sceptical about the whole scene. Actually, I was greatly uplifted by the courage and cheerfulness of the sick and maimed, and by the loving care accorded them by the helpers and stretcher-bearers. One particular incident has stayed with me. A message was brought to me that a young woman who was dying had said she would like me to visit her. Of course I agreed, and her sister took me to her bedside. She was feverish and emaciated, at first glance a forbidding sight. Then I noticed her eyes, huge and glowing, and so incredibly beautiful that I was entranced by them. Whereupon all my embarrassment disappeared, all my searching about in my mind for some appropriate sanctimony became unnecessary. What beautiful eyes, I heard myself saying to her sister. She agreed that they were beautiful. Her sister, she said, had always had always had beautiful glowing eyes. A silence fell upon us, and we were all three caught up in a wonderful joy. I knew, of course, what it was. God's love enfolding us like lights from heaven. That's an interesting thing, you know, in the life of Muggeridge, and obviously contributed, among many other things, to his to his conversion to the church, uh, but just the experience of suffering and the beauty of a soul who was suffering in Lourdes. When we contemplate redemption, when we look at the cross, that's when we can really grow in apostolic zeal. We, we can think of St. Josemaria's devotion to the crucified Lord, and especially how he liked to have images of Jesus on the cross with his eyes open with a look of love and compassion not with anger not with disgust or you know, our Lord looking at us with with love, with compassion, with understanding um, Lord that's what I think I need for my own soul that's how I would like to be an apostle of apostles I'd like to be an instrument of your mercy for others because that's what 
That is what Saint, um, Saint Mary Magdalene was. I remember hearing a story that in 1992, shortly before the beatification of uh, Saint Rosemaria, there was a young recently ordained priest in Rome from Brazil and he was heading back to Brazil to, to spend his life there, to work there. And he met Blessed Alvaro, who was the prelate, the father at that time, and said, Father, I think I'll be preaching on the day of the beatification of our founder. What should I preach about? This was, uh, you know, a few months or a few weeks before the beatification of the founder. And he wanted to think, well, what, what, you know, what aspect would I preach about on such a great day? And Don Alvaro's response was immediate. Pray about the humility of our founder. Pray about the humility of our founder. On the day, therefore, in which the church was, you know, elevating St. Maria or Blessed Maria as he was then to the altars and, you know, showing him forth as a, a wonderful example for the whole Christian people for all time, his successor thought, well, pray about the humility of our father and that's what we see in Mary Magdalene she's a humble person she does at each moment what she knows to be right she stands by the cross she goes early in the, mo in the morning to venerate our Lord's body she clings to him when she's got him she announces the good news to the apostles Lord help me too to live out my vocation to be an apostle of apostles help me to enter into the mystery of your cross. And through the intercession of Our Lady, I renew the petition we all make today in today's Mass in the Collect. O God, whose only begotten Son entrusted Mary Magdalene before all others with announcing the great joy of the resurrection, grant, we pray, that through her intercession and example we may proclaim the living Christ and come to see him reigning in your glory. Amen. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections and inspirations you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you for help to put them into effect. My Mother Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.